From the Bible Chapel comes a new podcast, Fresh Faith. Over the years, Ron Moore has received many questions and has heard some great stories of what God is doing in the lives of people at our church. We've heard the questions and love the stories, and we're so excited to share them with you. Today, Ron will be joined with our guest, Ryan and Denise Middleton. We are so excited to share this three-part podcast with you. This is an amazing story of how God has worked through this couple's lives long before they even knew one another. This story is so relatable on so many different levels, and something that I really love about it is how Jesus relentlessly pursued Ryan and Denise through their entire lives, even in some very devastating times. Ryan and Denise, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate you doing this, and uh, we had an opportunity to hear uh, Ryan, from you uh, in a church service not long ago, we, we had about 15 minutes for you to share a, 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 an amazing story, and it just wasn't enough time. And so we wanted to bring you guys in here and, and uh, just take some time to kind of uh, allow you to tell, you know, we, we always say it's your story, but it's really God's story uh, in you. And it's really cool to see uh, what he's done. So, Ryan, we're going to come back to you in just a second, but you, you grew up in a uh, kind of a an unchurched situation. I think maybe you went to church a few times with your uh, grandparents, but uh, basically not in church at all, right? Yeah, no real um, significant church experience at all. Okay. And so you are are an official unchurched person growing up. That was me. That was you. (laughs) So, Denise, what about you? Tell us a little bit about your church background. Um, So, similar to Ryan, until I got to middle school, I was pretty much unchurched. My parents growing up, they grew up and they went to church, were from the Pittsburgh area, but moved to Texas after they got married and uh, never really took us to church. We would come up to Pittsburgh to visit um, Christmas time. We'd go to Christmas Eve and that was about the extent of it. And then um, my uncle, who lived in Texas as well, he introduced me to a Baptist church and to their youth group. So throughout middle school, I would go every Sunday by myself. My parents didn't go, and I would go to youth to the youth service every Sunday. And right around seventh grade, that's when I was uh, I was saved. It was at a <clears throat> like a retreat mm-hmm. um, over over some weekend, and at, at that point, I think it was it consumed me. So um, I read the Bible all the time. I went to all of the services, everything. And then once we got to high school, that kind of trailed off. It became a, just something of the past. Didn't really, didn't really um, go to church anymore. Um, Activities and social life took over from there. Mm -hmm. So um, other than just the occasional prayer when I needed something, there wasn't too much going on there. Not, not much of a relationship there. It's always cool, isn't it, that even when you're, um, uh, even when you kind of walk away from God, He never walks away from you. Mm-hmm. And so we'll pick up that story in a little bit because mm-hmm. He started, you know, kind of wooing mm-hmm. you back to Himself. Mm-hmm. Ryan, talk about your um, uh, upbringing. It, it was, it was pretty rough. Yeah, pretty rough. I mean, um, I my my father was an alcoholic. It was pretty extreme, um, and there was a lot of abuse as well. Um, Abuse toward my mother, uh, towards the kids. Um, it wasn't a normal functioning family, and uh, my, you know, my parents separated once between when I was the summer of when I was nine, and then we came back, and and then um, the the summer when I was ten, um, 
we ended up leaving and and not mm-hmm. coming back. It was kind of a thing in the he went to work and we moved out. Ryan, you said that you you guys kind of got together and you, your mom, and then and you're like ten years old at the time. Yeah, and you guys kind of got together and decided decided that's that's what you were going to do. That well, yeah. My my mother didn't want to um, just uproot us and have it not be, you know, part of our decision too. And so she checked with us and said, "Do you guys want to to leave?" So we we were um, living with my grandparents again for the second time. It happened when we were nine, and it happened again when we were ten. When I was ten, and then. Um, she said, do you guys want to go back there? And we said no. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we found an apartment and 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 went there one day once when he was at work and got some some of our stuff and moved out. So, Ryan, kind of two threads going here. One, uh, you, you don't you don't you're unchurched. So you, you don't want to hear in a second your kind of your thoughts about God. But secondly, you—we've talked about this. You did—you didn't have a father figure in your life, and uh, there are a lot of people listening, and and they had that same experience, and they really relate to that. And t- just talk about uh, how that in- how that impacts you, and, and talk about how it impacts you today. Because I—I I always, I mean, you are you're you're a great father, and you're involved with your kids, and you're present, and you're active in their lives. Some people with your experience, they 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 keep that. They keep that going of kind of being that absent father. You didn't do that. Yeah, I mean, um, it, I was always, you know, when I believe that when a child, a young man, does not have his father in his life, that he's going to seek that relationship. And, I, and I've counseled people many times through this because I know from firsthand experience that I always sought that older male relationship, like someone to kind of, care about me and to kind of take me under their wing and to um, and, it, and it didn't go away as an adult that continued throughout mm-hmm. my adulthood that I I sought that type of relationship um, I think it's really important I think it's that God gives us that desire for that relationship not only with our earthly father but we all know that there's that hole in our heart for right. our godly father as well and um, so you know, that was something I sought for, for many years. And I had those different relationships with different people that were a mentor-type relationship to me um, that kind of gave me a um, some kind of sense of what that was like. Mm-hmm. But but when we moved out from my, uh, my father's house, my mother had a live-in boyfriend, and he was um, – no better. He was. He wasn't an alcoholic, but he was, from an abuse um, standpoint, uh, he was no better than than my father was, mm-hmm. and it was actually probably worse. Um, so, yeah, that was difficult for me because I I just felt like you know my my parents divorced when I was ten. My my grandfather, who was the only positive male mentor, like person in my life um, passed away at, when I was 11. And so um, I didn't have that. And, and it was, the, the, it was rough. The, the grandfather you guys lived with? Yes. Awesome, mm-hmm. man. So you, you're, you leave at 10 and then your grandfather passes a year later. Yeah, correct. Hmm. So that was, um, you know, I, my view of God 
as I was growing up and entered adulthood and it, it wasn't, um, I would have very openly claimed to be atheist. Um, mm-hmm. and, and as I got a little bit older, I would have probably like moved that over to agnostic because I started to open up to, well, maybe, but how would we know? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was kind of my stance until, uh, around 30 years old. So, um, Ryan, so you, you grew up really without your father present or at least um, a good bit of your life. Um, was there a time when, when you started having kids where, where you consciously said, that is not going to happen with my kids? Or was it just kind of the natural thing that, that you just didn't loved your kids and enjoyed your kids? Or did, did you make a conscious decision? I'm, I'm, I am not going to let that repeat itself. I mean, I think the more conscious decision was revolved around alcohol and abuse. Um, the conscious decision was like, I'm breaking that cycle mm-hmm. um, because I think that was the catalyst for that. That was the like my dad sober was by m- most accounts, the rare times he was, was a good guy. And um, so... While I, you know, was unsaved and I did all the my share of drinking and all those things and, and my days of partying, I was very conscious with I'm going to break the cycle of alcohol being an, an issue in, in the male figures in, mm-hmm. in this family. Yeah. All right, Ryan. So we see as you kind of grow up um, and, and after... Um, your family leaving your dad, you still kind of have this atheist view, you know, there's no God, um, and and that might change a little, but still you you don't have faith. So Denise, um, you talked about um, being saved in seventh grade, and then in high school, it kind of changed for you. So can you talk to us a little bit about what did that look like for you? And and what was your relationship with the Lord during those years? Sure. Yeah. So, um, as I got a little bit older after after middle school and into high school, it was just probably more selfish. You know, it was more all about myself. Um, <clears throat> there really was no relationship there. I think it was, you know, when I needed something or I wanted something or, you know, something wasn't working out the way that I wanted to, you know, I would pray. Um, but I also, you know, the church that I went to, it was very different in a sense. I It was more fear of God than there was like the loving God. So it was, you know, you need to make sure you help your, you get your friends saved or else you're going to watch them burn in hell, you know, for eternity, those sorts of things. So it was the, this fear of God that I had. So I think once I did, as I got older and I naturally just kind of moved away from that because it was just a scary thing for me and not so much, I maybe didn't really experience the love of God um, that, that I know now, I think. Um, and you know, I, I didn't help myself either cause I just allowed myself to, to really veer off that path. So. Okay. So you, you know, the Lord you're saved that happened in seventh grade, but like you just said, you're not, you're not following. So talk about, um, when you guys met. So obviously, even though you were a Christian finding a godly man, was that that was that priority for you, or just talk about how you guys met and um, and the relationship that God played in in that time frame for you? Certainly, yeah. So, um, no, I was not searching for a godly man. That was not something that was important to me. Um, 
Don't get me wrong, Ryan's a great, <laughs> great guy. It's it's, it's worked out well. <laughs> yes, but at exactly. the time, yeah. right? But um, you know, I think I think what really started turning, uh, started making me think a little bit more was um, after we got married and we started to um, started to raise a family and started a family. That's where it really started to, um, in my mind, I just really wanted to to kind of go back there because I do remember a time while there was a scary time and a, and a, and a God that, that I was super fearful of. I do remember a time that I did enjoy it and I did mm-hmm. enjoy um, learning about God, learning about Jesus and having that relationship that I did. Um, and I wanted to, to make sure that we offered that to our children as well. So it was, um, and even to a certain degree, it was, probably just hey this is the right thing to do and and morally this is good for our kids and to make sure that they're good people and you know so Mm -hmm. it was probably a little bit more selfish again from from my side of things but um how'd you guys meet we met through friends so i um during college i managed a boston market and uh he had friends that he knew so we through mutual friends um and I got to know them pretty well. And when they would come and work at Boston Market when they would come to work at Boston Market whenever they were on spring break or summer break and would invite me to to go and hang out. We'd, we'd hang out, and that's how I met Ryan. And he fell madly in love with me. And <laughs> <laughs> First, what was your first impression of Ryan Middleton? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I, I... He's sweating a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Here. He's such a jokester. Infatuation. <laughs> I didn't take him very she seriously. You didn't take him yeah. very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> he was fun though. We had we had yeah. we had a lot of fun. So you guys get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, life gets started, and uh, you have uh, your first child, mm-hmm. a little boy, right? Mm-hmm. Austin. And um, Denise, you said something earlier, and I think. Uh, I think this is a common theme in a lot of young couples' lives, regardless of their kind of their walk with the Lord before. When they have, when you have a little baby, you think, "Man, this is like life just got serious all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Like, this is for real." And um, I want to, I want to do this thing right, mm-hmm. and whatever right means. But, but church is not a bad thing, right? So, so it's interesting that you would say that. Yeah. That you really wanted, so that so that was kind of interesting. So in your mind, you're thinking, okay, we got to get back into church. Yeah, I wanted to to go to church, and I wanted my kids to be involved, or you know, go to Sunday school and be able to to um, experience what I did, so that they could make their choice as well. Now, now prior to that, and again, you said you're kind of away from the Lord at that mm-hmm. point. Did you guys ever have any? spiritual conversations like Ryan what do you think about God and he said and eh, don't know if he exists he, he may not exist or he might and I just don't even know we I, we did because my cousin who is a preacher he actually married us mm-hmm. so he now he's out in Lancaster so he wasn't able to do his typical marriage counseling but he still did did some stuff with us we had to fill out paperwork I, I don't remember I know what I wrote I don't know what you wrote and I, I don't no know <laughs> if he was just writing the answers that he thought he was supposed to answer for we'll it. these up in the archives. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so there was a little bit of conversation there. But I also think I was just so far away um, that it didn't 
matter to me, mm-hmm. and I loved him, and and he was a good person, and. So, so um, Ryan, uh, uh, Denise, one day says, "Hey, we got to go to church," <laughs> and your reaction is, "I I can remember this. We were in our first house that we had together, and I don't know where we were coming back from, but we were in the garage, and I think we had just parked the car, and we were going inside the house, and." I remember her saying, like, I want to raise our kids in the church. And she was pregnant with our second child. Um, at least that's how my memory has it. And we'll, get I, the, we'll get the real story from Denise. <laughs> and I remember saying, okay, like, that, then go do it. Like, that's not, that's you, that's, you, that, that's not mm-hmm. me. That's not going to be me. And, uh, yeah, that kind of, she didn't like that. Mm-hmm. How, do, how do you remember that? Uh, similar. I mean, I don't, I I remember getting a little bit more out of you in that, or maybe just like that's my female brain that like I heard something that I wanted to hear, <laughs> but it was like, okay, there's a chance. So there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> there's yeah. a chance. <laughs> but Ryan, in your mind, is like, go knock yourself out. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, not going to be involved and, in it. And so I actually... Mind Denise going to church, it just you just didn't have any interest. Yeah, I, I did. I had no interest, and um, and if she, that's something she wanted to do, then have at it. And mm-hmm. eventually, like they're going to make a decision for themselves. That's mm-hmm. kind of how I thought about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So pick up the story from this. So, I, so um, you're going to you're 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 doing life. Mm-hmm. You have a, a child. You're pregnant with the second child. And uh, you're working, working hard and doing doing your thing. And then there's a guy, right, who keeps bugging you about going to an event at church. Well, he had been bugging me for this for long before I even knew Denise. He had been inviting me for like 10 years to come to the Bible chapel, to to come to this men's Thanksgiving breakfast. I, I, I remember that from... A long time ago and um, and I had always just kind of said oh you know can't make it or not interested I mean he knew it was he was inviting me to something I was not uncomfortable doing or probably going to decline but he kept at it and um, so when Denise was seven and a half months pregnant with our second child um, I was so we're kind of jumping around but Mm -hmm. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was writing a best man speech for a wedding I was going to attend the following day in Philadelphia, and I uh, I heard a scream, and it was the type of scream that there wasn't hesitation on my part. There was no, "Hey, is everything okay?" It was I knew something was wrong, and I needed to get there immediately. So I ran from, out of my office. This is Friday night at uh, ten o'clock at night. I ran from my office up the stairs, found her in the bathroom, and um, she was bleeding very badly. And so, you know, being seven and a half months pregnant, she was laying on the couch and thought, felt, you know, wetness and thought that she, her water water had broke. Mm -hmm. And so she went to the bathroom and it was blood. Mm. And that's when she screamed and I ran up and blood was just kind of flowing. And um, so, long story short, we rush her to the hospital, and and we're in the car, and like, this is 
chaos, right? And and um, I remember yelling at you because you were going through red lights. Yeah, and I'm going, <laughs> if we get pulled over, they can escort us. Like it's okay. <laughs> uh, so this could be a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Over. Yeah. And and then I remember we were at the uh, at the intersection, and I remember her reaching and, and grabbing her stomach and saying, "She's gone. She's gone." And yeah, my belly was just—it was lifeless. It was as if I'd already given birth. I just felt nothing, hmm. and it was scary because I was convinced that she had already passed away. And you're on the way to the hospital mm-hmm. during this. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So we get to the hospital, and there's like this great sense of urgency on our part, and it was really very frustrating because they weren't as urgent as we were. I knew that this was like needed immediate attention, and so. Long story short, we get in the emergency room. We get up to the uh, nursing center or whatever they birthing maternity, center. and um, and so we had just kind of left the car open and keys in it, all, all those things, and um, they're looking for the heartbeat, and they're like, we can't find the heartbeat, and there's all this stress, and 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 I'm like, you know, she's they're like please go in and change. And I'm like, just so you know, she's like bleeding very bad. And they're like, oh, no problem. And so um, when it wasn't until they saw how much blood was in the bathroom after she changed. On the floor. Yeah, Mm -hmm. on the floor that they realized, okay, this is not normal. Mm -hmm. And so um, they ended up saying, okay, we found the heartbeat. And so I said, okay, great. I'm going to go move the car. So I, I leave to go move the car. And, and while he's gone, they were like, oh, this, isn't, this isn't the baby's heartbeat. This is yours that we're hearing. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I just lose it. And they, they finally, they're searching and searching. And then just out of nowhere, this little tiny faint heartbeat starts to just show up on the monitor. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, thank goodness we found it. <clears throat> so... Um, right after that, I, I think I was, as soon as you got there, I was rushed into surgery. So they did an emergency C-section and they put me completely under. Um, I'm not sure for the reason for that, if it was just because it was quicker or if because they didn't want some crazy mom, like, you know, wondering what's going on during the entire procedure. But, um, yeah, I, the next thing I remember was waking up and not being able to breathe because they had put the tube down mm-hmm. my throat. So from my perspective, I'm out in the I, – I couldn't be in the room. And so I'm out in the waiting room, and it feels like an eternity. And then um, at 12.04, I hear a cry. And it was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And um, so, like – it's one of those things where you're like super worried until you don't have to be worried anymore, and you're like, "Oh, I wasn't. I was worried for nothing, right?" <laughs> and um, so, you know, other than having a little bit of jaundice and needing to be in an incubator because her her to keep her temperature up because she was six weeks preemie, um, she was in great condition. And Madison, uh, mm-hmm. Madison, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, she was in, in great shape. We delivered at St. Clair Hospital, um, and they have a fantastic maternity ward, but they don't have – if you need anything like oxygen or um, anything further than what she needed, she would have had to go to, to Children's, and she was perfect. She didn't need any mm. of that. We only – we had to stay there a week. Um, so she's six months premature? 
six, six weeks. weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Six months. Yeah. That'd be that tricky. Would, yeah. <laughs> that would that'd be, be tricky. <laughs> that'd be pretty <laughs> complicated. <laughs> six weeks. <laughs> 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 I'm pretty sure they okay. would. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. Six w- weeks. Six weeks. Premature. How much did she weigh? She was um, at birth. She was four seven, and uh-huh. when we left the hospital, she was four. Okay. Four four. Four four. I, four. I you just didn't hear the second four. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Ryan, you during this time, so you're like, you know, you're you're uh, you're you're waiting, and and you hear a cry, and you know, like you say, man, I was worried, but. Like many times in our lives, even as believers, you know, we're all we're all we're praying and we're worried about something, and then it happens. When oh man, I got a little worked up about that. So you kind of felt that way, Denise. From the you know, you're you're a Christian, even though you're away from the Lord mm-hmm. a little bit. What what are you thinking about this uh, during this time that uh, Madison's born? Um, I, I I was very thankful. You know that that everything worked out and that she was healthy and and um, and she was fine. I, I think I was still. Um, I think I took a lot for granted still, um, and and at that time, didn't really know the severity of it. I knew that they put me under. I think that the doctors and the nurses shielded us a lot from um, what concerns they had, mm-hmm. um, because I think they were. You know, going through all of that and during during the time frame of delivering her, they had no idea what they were really in store for and how severe it, it could have possibly been. Um, so I think it wasn't until Ryan, I guess it would be the, so we, she delivered <clears throat> um, in the middle of the night. It wasn't until the following night. That we, that we were kind of updated on... Mm-hmm what was kind of going on with the doctor's minds at the time. So the ne- the, the the nurses and the staff that was on there when we had Madison were returned for their next shift the next evening. And so we had maybe had a couple hours of sleep, if that, that mm-hmm. during that night. But we were kind of up for a long time at that point. And... Um, it was the next evening, and the nurse came in the, the room, and she was talking to us. And to be honest, it, this experience was so crazy that she was she felt very familiar with us, but I, I didn't really remember that, oh, she was the nurse that worked mm-hmm. with us a lot. So she was very familiar with us and came in, and she goes, hey, guys, how are you guys doing? And really friendly. And she's like, so have any of the doctors, like, talked to you guys about what happened last night? And we were like, no, like, what do you, what do you, I mean, yes, but not, not really. Like, what do you mean? And she was like, well, let me just tell you, um, someone was looking after your daughter because she shouldn't be okay. And we're like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And she's like, best case scenario, we were planning to life flight her. That they'd have to resuscitate her and life flight her to children's. And she was like, there was, you were 85% abrupt, you had an 85% abruption. She's like, there's not enough there to sustain life. And so when we saw the abruption or, or whatever, we, we knew that it was going to be bad and most likely like 
there, she wasn't going to be alive. And so it was like, that was a shock to us. Mm-hmm. We were like, whoa, wow, you know. And, she, and I remember her saying to her, someone was looking after her. The, n- the nurse said that to you. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so um, not being a spiritual person, I kind of, you know, dismissed that spiritual, you know, spirituality of the comment. But it still stuck with me that, you know, we were lucky. And uh, that's kind of the way I viewed it. And and the friend that you were talking about, John Shell, who had repeatedly for 10 years kept asking me to come to a an outreach event at the church, um, came and visited us at the at the hospital. And and, uh, you know, at the time I I still smoked and did all the things that I'm, you're not supposed to do. <laughs> and so I was walking him out of the hospital. He was getting ready to leave, and I was walking him out of the hospital. We're in the parking garage, and I'm smoking a cigarette, and we're talking. I was, I was just like, John, we are just so lucky. And he turns to me, and he says, Ryan, it has nothing to do with luck. And, you know, at the time I was like, eh, whatever. But I also remember that moment very distinctly and clearly. I think we all have those uh, moments, those those moments in our life that we know that God is starting to reveal himself to us. And, and that was one of them, along mm-hmm. with the nurse saying someone was watching after her and those kind of things. So, um, so I just kind of, you know, dismissed that for the most part, but I remembered it. Thanks for joining us. We have Denise and Ryan Middleton with us today, and they are telling us about the story that God has really been working in their lives for for quite some time. And so um, we're at the point where, where we've got a lot and uh, and a lot has happened. So so Ron, can you take us forward and, uh, and we'll hear the rest of the story today. All right, so you guys have um, gotten married, life's going going well. You have a little boy named Austin. Have a challenging pregnancy. We've talked mm-hmm. about that. And by by now we can say, by God's grace, uh, um, uh, Madison was born and and uh, six weeks uh, premature, and but healthy, and and things are going well. And you got a friend uh, Ryan who who walks you to the you walk him rather to the parking garage after he comes to visit, and. Uh, you say, man, we were pretty lucky, and he says, wasn't luck. Now, at this point, you're still, whether you're an agnostic or an atheist, you know, it's kind of debatable. But, but that, that, while you kind of blew that, while you kind of blew that off, right? Whatever, that something stuck. Would you say that's when, as you look back, would you say that's when God that kind of just cracked open your heart a little bit and started working on you? I I think so, and with the ability of hindsight, there were some other moments that I can remember, um, j- specifically being with John Shell in the months prior to that, um, and having a moment that I really uh, felt that I had a sensitivity towards um, God and and Jesus, and um, that was a was one of those moments mm-hmm. um but yeah that god had started working in my life and 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 
I didn't really recognize that quite yet, but it was gonna. I was gonna recognize it really mm-hmm. soon mm-hmm. because um, that night, I, I you know I went back to the room and and um, I was gonna go home and pick up Austin, who was staying with Grandma, and try to get him to at least be with one of us for for a night and have some normalcy again. He was a year and a half old at the time. So I went home, and um, it kind of stuck with me. Someone was watching over her. What this thing, what the the nurse had said. What the nurse had said, yeah. And and John saying it's nothing to do with luck. And I I mean, I was thinking about those things. And so I fell, uh, I, I was at home, and I put Austin... Uh, to bed and it was early it was like 8 30 and I was exhausted so I laid down on the couch um, and I'm um, I I was watching TV and I quickly fell asleep and I woke up in a dream but I wasn't in the living room I was in the bedroom and I was in my bed and at the foot of the bed was Jesus in this dream and um, <laughs> he said in the dream, is there anything else I need to do to, pr- to show myself to you? Mm. And I immediately woke up and here I am in the living room and I like look around and I'm like, I immediately try to fall back to sleep, which I did. And so I tried to get back to the dream cause I'm like, Whoa, <laughs> like this is all crazy. I don't think I made it back to the dream, but I did fall back asleep. Um, but that was something as a non-Christian mm-hmm. that I was very hesitant to hear what she was going to say about that. <laughs> so the next morning, I was heading back to the hospital. And I internally, I truly was internally thinking... I can't tell her about that because she's going to start. And also, at the same time, I knew I was going to because she's my wife and I share everything with her. Um, and so I got to the to the hospital and I went to the room and she, they weren't in there. So I knew they had to be in the um, nursery there. So I went over to the nursery. She was sitting in a rocking chair and, and Madison was in the incubator and... And I welcomed, you know, I said, hey, uh, and I said, you're never going to believe the dream I had last night. And she immediately was very intrigued. She was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't even want to tell you. And she was like, what? And so I told her the dream I had and she starts crying. And I'm like, what, what, like what? And she said to me, um, Last night at about 8.45, I I don't know if she explained what time it was exactly. We talked about the time. We did talk trying about to figure out what time did this happen. Mm-hmm. She said, I I prayed to God to... to what I was just like, I, I, it stuck with me, the nurse saying, somebody was looking out for her. Someone was l- looking over her. Consider yourself lucky. You know, that all the things that she'd said. And I just remember praying like... God, who who was looking out for her? Was it my grandma? Like, who who was looking out for her? You know, because I was still, even though I was saved in middle school, I was still very immature in any type of walk that 
if you would even call it a walk at that point because it was non-existent. Um, but I just remember praying like, oh, who was who was looking out for her? And it, it's just so crazy that when we figured out the times, like his dream kind of just everything happened around the same time. Mm. So it was just um, unbelievable, but at the same time, very com- comforting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because I have talked to other people uh, who are now believers, but have been far from God. Mm-hmm. And um, there have been something like that, a dream or something. I remember one person who had been a Muslim mm-hmm. and uh their son had come to Christ, and they were kind of in, you know, just thinking about it, and and uh, they had a dream that Jesus was at the foot of the bed, and, and I don't remember the conversation or what it was, but it's just interesting, isn't it, that, you know, we obviously believe, you know, you open Scripture, and Scripture speaks to us, mm-hmm. uh, but when you look at Scripture, God always, he proves himself to, him, he proves himself to us, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that's pretty amazing, you know, that he, that he would do that. So, so Denise, you you prayed that some you know you know what, what, who was looking out or what happened, yeah. and you realize that that's the same time. What so now? So Ryan's kind of like, this is weird, and you're kind of like, what what just happened there? What what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I was just I was amazed, you know, and um, I had already been a believer, and I think part of just his experience just gave me even more hope, you know, hope for um, future with. Uh, especially after experiencing what we had just experienced with our daughter and just um, um, and now with her being okay, th- there was just even that want even more to be, to go to church and to, to mm-hmm. start having a relationship with God. And that was um, that moment with him made me even more hopeful that it was something that we would do together. So mm-hmm. um, after that, I mean, I feel like everything was such a blur. Yeah, I um, mean, Ryan, I said I said you thought it was weird. What did what did you think of it? I mean, as as you as you experienced it, now you're telling Denise. Well, it I was quite... enough for me to let her know about it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I was still dismissive. I was still s- skeptical, and it was mm-hmm. a dream, and it was crazy dream, and it was a, like it felt real. And at the time of the dream, I wasn't thinking I'm dreaming, and and I immediately wanted to return to the dream, but I still was, um, I still wasn't having it. And even though you, when you guys talk about it, Denise, you're saying that like I was praying during that mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. you're still thinking, eh, okay, that's pretty, that's just coincidental. Uh, it, I chalk a lot up to coincidence when <laughs> when you're a non-believer, you're gonna you're gonna chalk a lot up to. Oh wow, mm-hmm. that just happened, mm-hmm. and 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 that's was no different in my case. Mm-hmm. So, uh, John Shell keeps bugging you. He kept bugging mm-hmm. me. This year was no different than previous Novembers <laughs> when um, I would be invited to the men's Thanksgiving breakfast, and I even I remember talking to you to to, to Denise and saying, you know, John's been such a good friend. I, I'm just going to go. My, my thought was. Like, I owe it to him. Like, mm-hmm. he's just a he's a good guy, and it'll make him happy. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna appease him. So I went, and um, I I had breakfast first with a, a table full of guys, and um, and I was remember thinking, hey, these guys aren't aren't so bad, right? And and so um, 
we had breakfast and then we went into the worship center here at the Bible Chapel. And I had no idea at the time, but this is uh, late 2008. And I think the worship center, I've learned since, opened like a year or two before that. Yeah, I hadn't been in it long. Yeah, so it was fairly yeah. new. And mm-hmm. and and I remember um, going to the worship center and thinking, wow, this is this isn't a church. <laughs> like, I've been to church before. It was typically a Catholic church, and mm-hmm. I know how they look, and this isn't how they look. And mm-hmm. and and then um, I come to hear uh, the message, and I'm like, they're talking about things that are, like, super relevant to, like, me. And I've never had that with church before. And it was just a very different church experience. As a matter of fact, I think one of the very different parts of that experience was thinking, man, they like it cold in here <laughs> because I think they they forgot to turn the heat on um, early for a Saturday morning. And like I you could see your breath when I first got in there. So I was like, well, they 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 like have some kind of tradition here that I've never even heard about. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, so that day uh, I heard a gospel presentation, and, um, and it was the first time that I really heard the gospel. I, I don't recall any time where the gospel was presented to me. It could have been, and I just didn't hear it. Mm-hmm. But the, I, I heard the gospel, and I thought, wow, that, that makes sense. This, this Son of God, this Jesus character um this kind of this stuff actually makes sense and it's not this doesn't sound as far-fetched as i once placed it Hmm. which part of uh you know my experience that i think that led to me being very passionate about sharing the gospel Mm -hmm. as i as i grew in my faith i became an evangelist immediately because i'm like People just haven't heard. Like, they need to hear it. <laughs> and so that's where my passion for sharing the gospel with people at grocery stores or, you know, especially early on, I was probably a little over the top. <laughs> so they're like, I need some eggs. Oh, you hear about Jesus. <laughs> eggs? That reminds me. <laughs> exactly. So um, so it—, it, it I wasn't um, like immediately saved or anything, but I was intrigued. And so I went Saturday morning and then I went home. I told Denise, like, oh, it was really, I'm, I'm intrigued. I got to check this place out. And so we had a preemie daughter at home and, and Denise and, and a one and a half year old. So I started attending church that next day. And every week started going to church by myself. Denise, what are you thinking about? What do you think? What are you, are you buying this is for real? What are you thinking about this um, as he comes home and kind of says, I'm intrigued by this. I'm going to go check out a church. I think I was still in a fog from having a tiny child, tiny preemie child and a one mm-hmm. and a half year old who was sick. But I, I just remember um, it was something that um, – it, it intrigued me because I wanted to check it out because it wasn't something that, you know, hearing him talk about it, it wasn't something that I had, had ever really experienced. I, I experienced some as, you know, going to youth group, but nothing um, nothing like he, he talked about. Um, so, again, it was just building up that hope 
for me that mm-hmm. it would be something that would be um, long term for our family. Um, and, and I know that we had wanted to go between sick children and right. and uh, the time of year it was difficult. So um, we finally were able to get together, all of us together, and go Christmas Eve. So that mm-hmm. was our, our big outing after she was born was we went to Christmas Eve service together. We're going to end right there for today. What a powerful story. One of my favorite things that Ryan talks about is how when he experienced church for the first time, he felt like they were really talking to him. And he said it was so relevant. We're excited to learn more about what God's doing in their lives. Join us next week for part two of this three-part series. 